Hello and welcome to the Superposition Guys podcast. My name is Yuval, and my guest today is Alex Khan, quantum computing entrepreneur and CEO of ZebraKit. Alex and I talk about his book, Quantum Computing Experimentation with Amazon Bracket, his experience working with different hardware and software packages on Bracket, the best way for optimization experts to get into quantum computing, and much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, Alex, and thanks for joining me today. Hi, Yuval. It's a pleasure being with you. So who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm Alex Khan, and um, at the moment, I'm an entrepreneur in quantum computing. Though my, uh, you know, my journey started with engineering and physics. I was a dual major in college. Uh, eventually, I got into IT, built uh, automation solutions and uh, for claims processing, document automation solutions for uh, policy generation. And uh, then I got my um, MBA, um, which is a kind of a story in itself, uh, and then became uh, AVP of business technology for Lincoln Financial. So I, I saw both the solution side, providing solutions, and also the uh, the corporations and how they evaluate solutions and uh, their strategy to uh, bring in new technologies. Um, so in 2018, um, you know, I, uh, quantum computing, I found out about quantum computing through the D-Wave Leap program. And to me, that was just another technology that I wanted to learn about and get into. And so that's where my sto- uh, journey with quantum computing got started. And uh, really, it's from the perspective of, is it a technology that we can use? Is it useful for companies? And that's my per- you know, perspective. And you have a recent book out. Could you tell me a little bit about the book and what made you start writing it? Yes. Um, the book was <laughs> a year uh, or more of uh, considerable effort. Um, initially, I was uh, I had said I'm not going to write a book because it's uh, usually uh, a lot of work, and uh, I was already very busy. But uh, Pact Publishing called me up and um, encouraged me <laughs> to write the book, and I I decided to write it because over the last few years uh, I had learned some lessons on how to get into quantum computing, um, how to make use of quantum computing. Uh, through various uh, experiments and projects that I'd worked on. And I thought, um, you know, that would be a different perspective that I don't see a lot uh, in the quantum computing industry. You know, we talk about the physics or the circuits, but we don't talk about uh, a lot about um, a process of actually making use of quantum computers as they are right now. There's a lot of theory, but um, I'm, I'm more hands-on. Um, I don't. I have a hard time hyping anything, so I have to get hands-on and see what something can do before I can promote it. And I thought that would be a good lesson and information to put in this book. Um, and the reason it became more about uh, quantum computing experimentation with Amazon Bracket is when I was starting, Amazon Bracket actually was the service or the platform that made various quantum hardware available. Um, you know, I started out with a Getty, uh, IBM. Um, I couldn't access INQ at that time. So 
uh, and even Rigetti was a little more complicated to access directly. So when Amazon Bracket came out with a pay-per-use service, I was very excited about that because I could just use the Iron Trap, I could use Rigetti, and I didn't have to worry about a lot of the uh, SDK and uh, setup and all of that. So I, I thought that was a good platform to get exposed to multiple quantum computers. I thought it was uh, somewhat um, uh, efficient. And um, I thought it would be able to allow me to bring my optimization, which is all of the experimentation I'd done, optimization using D-Wave, into both annealing and then gate quantum computing and kind of make it a nice, cohesive story uh, in, in that area. So <laughs> that's what ended up happening. So to the million-dollar question, so if I'm an enterprise customer today, could I do something truly useful on Amazon Bracket, whether it's optimization or something else, or whether the state of the service right now is more about learning and experimentation and getting to know quantum a little bit more? Yeah, it's certainly about getting to know quantum. I mean, um it's taken me three years to get comfortable with the technology um, and you know how it can be potentially used. Um, and just explaining quadratic relationships to others is a challenge. Um, having the people understand the difference between a linear solver and a quadratic solver, and the benefits of quadratic relation uh, relationships, and is. I mean, people don't think in those terms. And, you know, most people are in the industry are using a tool. Um, there's very little optimization. I mean, my whole career, we never optimize anything. So <laughs> optimization is something new. Combinatorial optimization is new. Quantum computing is new. And the potential benefits of this technology is not that easy for people to grasp. So I would say the first step is just to get comfortable with that um, now how far can quantum computers go with it and you know can we actually get something useful I would say yes I mean I've done enough experiments um, they're you know they're models I wouldn't say that they are industry level uh, problems but they are models of um, of real-world problems that can actually be done, uh, solved. I mean, they can be solved on D-Wave. Uh, with QAOA, they can be solved um, on uh, simulators. And I've in the book, I show that you, know, you can get reasonable results even through, um, you know, Rigetti or INQ, as long as you stay within the framework of what those systems can actually solve right now. So my goal isn't to you know, uh, show that, oh, okay, quantum computers can only solve a certain set of problems. My goal is to see just, like, what what can we do right now? Um, you know, stay within the tool that you have. I mean, you know, I used to have a microscope, which I could see only so far. Like, you know, like it has a zoom of a certain number and I used it for whatever it could do. And I'm doing the same thing with quantum computers, just using them right now for what they can do. So if I'm a classical optimization expert, I've been doing optimization all my life, hypothetically, and I hear about this new quantum technology. How deep do I have to get into quantum to do something useful with it? Do I have to understand 
matrices, tensor math, gate level, how far, how deep do I have to go to do something useful in optimization using quantum technology? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, you know, industrial engineers, industrial scientists um, that are doing optimization are using linear solvers. Um, they have a very good understanding of how to optimize uh, within certain constraints, and it's a well-known and you know very broad discipline. Um, I didn't go into industrial engineering; I had no idea what that was. <laughs> but um, having gotten into optimization now, I mean, I do. Uh, I have a, I guess, a, a stronger appreciation of it. So. It is a different discipline, and those people from that background do have a good understanding. Um, I would challenge that I think a lot of the equations are more linear programming type of equations. The quadratic part has been, to some extent, kept out, or even higher order. I mean, you know, you go from second order to third order, like uh, power of three. Um, those kind of equations have been kept out of these solvers because traditionally the solvers couldn't you know, actually solve these problems efficiently. So that's the whole point of the linear programming. So um, I think even that group of people can begin to see the world uh, now with quantum computers coming out and look at those quadratic relationships. And, you know, for example, with Microsoft QIO, you can go to higher order problems. So the question is, can we recognize these higher order relationships in our real world? Um, for example, like we, we talk about bundling, like, you know, if you buy one item, you want to buy some other item with it. Do we, you know, is that important? Is that not important? Because you can bring out those quadratic or pairwise relationships from the real world. And you have to think about, is that useful for you? Because if it is useful, then these quadratic solvers or cubo solvers will be able to actually um, give good results eventually you know have a an advantage over the linear solvers if i understand you correctly um, the optimization expert the classical optimization expert would want to understand what cubo is or other nonlinear optimizations uh, would have to understand how to express real-world problems as a Cubo or other optimization problem. But once you do that, you don't necessarily have to understand whether it's an annealer or a trapped ion or a superconducting computer. You don't have to understand what a Hadamard gate is. Is that a fair statement? Um, um, I mean, at this point, no. <laughs> I think eventually that would be a fair statement. Uh, especially, you know, I mean, you're involved in with, with Classic. Um, there will come a time when you don't have to worry about the circuits uh, for gate quantum computers. But for now, uh, it depends on the technology you're using. So D-Wave has come out with a number of different toolkits uh, for their hybrid solvers where you can use, uh, you know, like their binary quadratic model, their... their um, CQM, which is uh, a new model, which is uh, allows you to just put down the actual objective, the variables, and the constraints. And behind the scenes, it develops the Cubo. So you don't have to worry about developing the Cubo. Now, I would say that's still good for prototyping. 
um, you, uh, if you were actually building a solution for the industry, you would ha- want to know how to build the Kubo and optimize your own Kubo rather than give it to a generic uh, algorithm to build, you know, build the build the Kubo itself. Um, but it's it's great. I mean, it's uh, you can very quickly get answers, and uh, you know, you don't have to go very deep into building the Kubo with gate quantum computers. Um, you know, there isn't a tool available that will take your real-world opt, you know, objective function and create a Kubo. You would have to build a Kubo. Uh, you would have to understand that the Kubo is going to go into QA away. As a, you know, I mean, you're going to build a Kubo or Hamiltonian. You're going to run it through QA away. So you have to know a little bit about the mechanics of QA away. QA away isn't a, you know, like a a single solver where you just give it a problem and it'll solve it and give you the perfect results. I mean, I think you have to, at this point, kind of know QA away, know its limitations, work with it to uh, optimize it, um, you know, parameter, get, get the right parameters. So yes, you have to know a little bit about, you know, opening up the hood and looking inside the engine and tweaking it a little bit to to make it work properly for you. In the future, as quantum computers, the gate quantum computers become more powerful, uh, the algorithms are more um, automatically optimized, uh, or maybe there's better ones than QAOA, then one might not have to worry about that. And maybe, you know, at that point, people have built some layers where uh, for the gate quantum computers, you can have 50,000 variables, like we can, you know, on uh, D-Wave's hybrid model. And it's it's competing with linear programming solvers where you know you don't have to know all the insights but right now i think you do have to and 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 that's one of the reasons for me uh, i mean i spend multiple chapters explaining qaoa and and exactly how qaoa actually is optimized and uh, what kind of results come out of it um, as you change the parameters i show how the probabilities of the best solution or the minimum value begin to increase. And I actually visualize all of that. So it's not just about the equations. It's, it's like getting an intuition on on what QAOA is doing. When I look at the, some of the book chapters, for instance, chapter 10 in your book, you write about various hardware platforms. Uh, putting D-Wave aside, it looks like you did some work with Rigetti, maybe IonQ, maybe others. Did you see any meaningful differences between various gate-based computers, or should the user not have to care about that? Um, They definitely have to care about it because they're so different. (laughs) Um, You know, the uh, iron trap, um, you know, the one that I had access to is 11 qubits, so, you know, now you can have access to the 20 qubit uh, iron trap. Um, The... And, you know, it's fully connected graph for the iron trap versus with Rigetti. Um, I had access to the M1, which was 80 qubits. Now they have M2, which is also 80 qubits. Um, but it's uh, very uh, loosely connected. Or There's a very few connections between the qubits. So you can only put in a very sparse matrix on that model. So... Uh, that would be like solving uh, an equation where you have very few quadratic terms. And in the book, I basically take the actual um, graph 
of the Rigetti system and then use that graph as a starting point for the equation. So I, you know, and so I'm basically using Rigetti the way Rigetti is designed. It's, you know, this is my analogy with the microscope, right? I mean, if I've got a microscope, I'm using it exactly the way it works. I'm not trying to make it do anything it doesn't actually do. So uh, I, I'm using those different devices for what they're meant for. You, in one case, you have 11 qubits fully connected, so I give it that problem. In the other case, it's 80 qubits, very few connections between the qubits, so I give it you know, uh, that problem. And when, when, you, when you look at it that way, you begin to actually see the value of what has been engineered so far. Now, of course, as the connections increase or there's quality increases, um, you know, things will get better. And with with the current systems, I mean, I show that you can see the best answer using QAOA and, you know, those answers show up. But if I give a very, um, if I give Rigetti, for example, a problem with, um a large number of quadratic relationships or try to do multiple iterations uh, or trotterization of QAOA, there'll be so much error, we won't see any results. So, but that's not the point, right? I mean, uh, just seeing nothing doesn't help. It's like, it's good to see something and know which direction to go. So if the users need to understand the hardware, to what extent they need to be proficient in multiple software packages? I, I see in the book that you cover PennyLane and Qiskit and maybe a couple of others. Does it matter to the users, in your opinion? Um, well, I, I try to only focus on the uh, SDK or tools that Amazon Bracket has brought in. I mean, the book was about Amazon Bracket. Um, I took the approach of um, writing my own code for everything. I didn't use any libraries. And, um, you know, even, for example, in Amazon Bracket, you cannot build the block sphere. So I could have used um, Qiskit library to build the block sphere and then somehow translated the circuit for Bracket. But I, I really wanted to stay purely within Amazon Bracket's framework. Uh, so I actually had to write the whole code for building the block sphere myself, and you know that code is uh, with the book. Um, so the 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 point being that Amazon Bracket team is adding a lot of different libraries as they feel are useful for their customers. PennyLane is you know one of them. Um, they have now added a plugin for Qiskit, so they're going to expand the Amazon Bracket service. Um, and bring in different libraries, and you can, you know, you can bring in um, PyTicket or you know, like all kinds of other tools. Um, and also for someone who's actually in quantum computing, I mean, there's no limitation, right? I mean, you can use all kinds of different tools. You could use Classic, build a circuit, then decide to send it to a bracket device, or you could be working in. Uh, like DevOps on with the EC2 services and have some kind of uh, other using some other service in Amazon Web Services, and then pull in data from there and bring it to Bracket. So the the Bracket team is not saying that Bracket you know you should work in Bracket in isolation. 
Um, but in order to teach about bracket, I wanted to make sure that I focused in on what is purely bracket. So um, with that, um, yes, I mean, there are so many packages for natural language processing, quantum machine learning. I mean, there's so many other packages. That's up to the user to decide how do they want to integrate a different package with the features and functions available in Bracket and you know, make use of the devices on, in, a, in a pay-per-use basis if that's of value to them. So the book is really focused on Bracket and what, is, you know, what you can do out of the box. But there's a lot you can do depending on your knowledge. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people started out with Xanadu through the QHack, hack, you know, like QHack hackathons. Um, some people started out with IBM. Others started out with machine learning. So they can all eventually decide if Bracket is an extra service they want to add uh, to what they're already doing. Um, but the main purpose was for people who are already in the industry, who are using Amazon Web Services. Bracket just becomes an, another service for them to add. Um, I'm not, you know, so I think it's up up in the air about how will people who start out with Kiskit or some other uh, tool find, you know, their usefulness in Bracket. But, I mean, those are connected now. You mentioned that it took you a year to write the book, so you've written a lot of text and a lot of code and a lot of hours experimenting with various packages. What's the thing or things that surprised you the most during that process? Um, uh, regarding my own skills or regarding bracket, <laughs> um, there was a—I mean, there was just uh, a lot to learn. Um, initially, I had a vision for what I wanted to do with the book. Um, I wanted to get deeper into other use cases that I had done, like portfolio optimization. I had, uh, I've done COVID optimization. I've done a number of different experiments with Shaw's algorithm using, um, you know, both uh, Kiskit and uh, the Amazon simulators. So I wanted to get that far. I wanted to really go to that level. And as I started writing the book, what I realized is um, just, the, just the steps it takes to educate someone or the way I wanted to educate someone. I didn't want to just breeze over stuff, give an equation and move to the next chapter. I really wanted to get people to get hands-on and have a feel and intuition for uh, you know, how each step works and get comfortable, for example, with you know, quantum Fourier transform or phase, working with phases. Um, then with QAOA, I wanted them to actually see how QAOA, uh, by changing parameters, begins to show better results You know, for the minimum, how it brings out the minimum. So as I went through that process, I actually ran out of pages and ran out of chapters on um, you know, how much I could actually put into the book. Uh, and it would have been like another six months to where I, you know, like what I wanted to do originally. So I do uh, cut a lot of material, and uh, so and then the book ended up really becoming about bracket and getting to the point where you are ready now to actually have a real conversation on use cases. So I think my learning was number one: writing a book is very hard. Uh, we had to go through so many edits. Uh, my analogy of you know, writing a book is uh, pushing or moving sand upstairs. 
So, you know, like every piece of, every grain of sand has to make it up. Um, but uh, it was, a, it was you know, very useful exercise also in just uh, gathering my own thoughts on things that, uh, you know, I thought I knew or um, things I had read and, you know, things that when I didn't have a library to actually use and I was like, uh, you know, I was determined to write it myself, then I really had to get down to the theory and the details on how that thing worked. So it was a great learning experience, obviously, for me as well. As we get closer to the end of our discussion today, you mentioned that you're AVP, I think, at Lincoln Financial. A company like Lincoln Financial, when should they get into quantum? Should they do it a year from now? Should they do it a year ago? Should they start now? What's your perspective? Um, well, my general sense is that companies like Lincoln Financial are already um, at least, you know, hearing about quantum computing, um, you know, like I've talked to the CEO of CareFirst, um, which is a Blue Cross Blue Shield or health insurance company. Um, and, you know, he already knew about quantum computing. So, and if you talk about the VP of architecture, you know, these are people who are supposed to know what is out there. So there, I would expect a company uh, like Lincoln Financial or any company to at least be looking at listening and being you know aware of the technologies and where where they are um, very quickly these people are going to find out that you know most likely this technology is not ready for them and you know that's that's kind of an evaluation I used to do uh, my teams used to do um, you know we were always looking at what do our customers want what are our goals and does the technology fit that? So if you know if the technology is not ready, it's not ready. Um, now that's not to say that some companies won't um, you know have an entrepreneurial or like a group that supports startups and start having conversations with them and maybe support them. That's that's more of a giving back to the community. That's not really of use necessarily for the company. Um, I mean, when I was uh, you know, as AVP of business technology, I was responsible for the portfolio of the company. So this is project portfolio, not the financial portfolio. But it is a financial portfolio as well because, you know, you're making choices on if you bring in a new technology that's cost associated with it and what are the benefits. And you, every um, officer or every um, business sponsor has to be able to prove that the technology that they're bringing in is going to have a value or a return. So, you know, I don't think quantum is there where somebody could bring that into. You know, if I was a if I was the portfolio manager for that company, and prove to me that somehow you know that technology is going to have a um, a benefit for the company. Um, so, I mean, I think right now it's still in the early stages. We you know we have to prove out. Uh, under under certain use cases, I mean, I've seen in you know, certain use cases you can get some good answers, but is that use case of value to a company? And you know, where is that of value? So, if you see some of the examples, like in D-Wave, D-Wave has you know hundreds of use cases that they have put on their website and on YouTube. 
um, some of those use cases, like the one by Savant X uh, on the you know the port of Los Angeles, they were able to find a specific use case uh, where they could get faster results and give value to you know the truck drivers, um, which you know was not available before. But it took them a while. I think it took them three years to find that specific use case and show that clear you know uh, advantage. Now, that is not to say that somebody else can't come up with a, you know, like a supercomputer or a genetic algorithm and say, hey, I can get the same result. But the point is they got there with an optimization solution using D-Wave that serves the purpose. And that's, I think, what we have to look for. We have to look for in these financial institutions and supply chain um, a solution that is valuable enough and maybe was delivered by a quantum technology, um, even though maybe somebody else can do it also, but at least you get you get there first with a solution. It sounds like a time for experimentation, which dovetails with the title of your book, Quantum Computing Experimentation with Amazon Bracket. Alex, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about your work? Um, I'm actually in quite a few places. So I think the best is to just do a Google search for me, Alex Khan Quantum. I think that usually puts all the links out there. But um, the easiest place is usually through LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm available on LinkedIn a lot. Um, I, I do chat with people uh, on LinkedIn. So if anyone wants to connect with me, that's the best place. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Yuval. It's a pleasure.